Welcome to the Couples Healing Podcast, where you'll get the tools for him to overcome his addiction, for her to find healing from the pain that it causes her, and for you to heal your relationship and come back together. I hope that you enjoy and subscribe. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode today. I'm looking forward to speaking with you about something that recently came to my mind after a session that I had with a, a new couple. And this is something that I've seen multiple times throughout man, hundreds of sessions with people. And it's unfortunate when somebody struggles with what I want to share with you today, which is this idea of being able to truly feel love from other people, from God, from family and friends, or even for yourself. I think not being able to feel love creates such a sense of isolation and loneliness. And there are two significant reasons why people can often feel stuck in this trap of not feeling as close as they want. Or let's say somebody gives you a compliment and you're like, oh, that sounds nice, but like it doesn't really fill you up. It doesn't feel that great. Or if somebody says, hey, I care about you or I love you, I like spending time with you. There's this part of, you know, sometimes people have this, this voice in the back of their head. Well, you say that you love me, but, and then there's some negative thing, but you don't know who I really am, or you don't know what I've done, or I don't know how you could love me because of the kind of person that I am. Or when some people have a spiritual belief that God loves everybody, they can explain that away and say, yes, God loves everybody, but I don't know if I'm worthy of that love, or I don't know if I qualify for that, or I just don't actually feel that. Oftentimes there's a disconnect Again, but between what people know intellectually, again, if somebody's theology is that God loves everybody, but if they don't feel that love, there's a disconnect between what they believe and what they experience. And this is something that I personally had an experience with, and many of the clients that I work with, uh, if they believe in God, they've had a similar experience. Again, this is true in relationships where a spouse can say, I'm here for you, I want to support you, I care about you, I love you. And then the other person's not really able to take that in, or they still feel empty, or they just dismiss it. And so I wanted to share with you two of the main reasons why this happens and give you some direction as to how to how to address this so you truly can start to feel the love that's available from the people that are in your network and from your spiritual relationship if you're, you know, if you believe in God or a higher power. So To start this off, I remember having a discussion with somebody. This was a long, long time ago. I was at a conference, and after the presentation of one of the main people who spoke, I went over to him and I asked him some questions and wanted to get his thoughts. So we had a conversation, and he was telling me about uh, attachment styles, which I knew about, but the way that he said it and how he related it to our relationship with God struck me because I'd never really heard somebody put it this way. So attachment is something that was, it was a, a term coined back in the 60s by a researcher by the, by the name of John Bowlby. And he has done so much for the work of our psychological, emotional advancement and development as a field in, in the field of you know mental health. And so what he noticed is that we all have significant other people in our lives. And he recognized the dramatic effect that those people have in our lives, whether they're present or whether they're not and the effect that it has on somebody. So he talks about attachment is like a special emotional relationship that you have with a, a significant a, a significant few other people that involves an exchange of comfort and care and support and love. And he said that attachment, we are all hardwired for attachment. In other words, this is a core need, in, in, in his words, from the cradle to the grave. 
In other words, we never outgrow our need for significant other people in our life, for their love, for their acceptance, for their comfort and reassurance and support and care. We always have a psychological need of those things. This is one of the reasons why, uh, what do they call it? Solitary confinement is such a, like people literally go crazy when they're in solitary confinement for a significant period of time because it has such a, it, it psychologically affects somebody so negatively because we are wired to have connection. And so as I was speaking to this researcher, he was talking about attachment, which again, all made sense. I'd learned about that previous to the conference. He was then, he then put it in the context of our relationship with God. And he said that our attachment styles, which is just another, it's a way of saying how an attachment style is how we relate to somebody else. And there's a few different types of attachment styles. There's secure attachment, which means you know that you're, you, 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 you can turn to somebody that you care about. You trust them. You have, it, it helps you develop good self-esteem. You can share your feelings with your partner and your friend your friends, you can seek out social support. It's just this idea of of knowing that you have a safe place that you can turn to and you trust that. So there's secure attachment, there's anxious attachment, which is when there's a lot of worry or anxiety in our significant relationships. We worry that we might be abandoned. We worry that we might not be enough. We worry that somebody might not love us. We become distraught when things are not in a good place disproportionately distraught, I would say, because it affects everybody when, when we're not in a good spot with our spouse, let's say. But if there's a disproportionate and there's like a lot of anxious energy around that and a lot of, a, a lot of fear, uh, again, fear is normal, but if there's a disproportionate amount of this, this is kind of, you're, you lean towards this uh, uh, anxious attachment style. And the other one is an avoidant attachment style. So somebody ha who has an avoidant attachment style might have some problems with intimacy and closeness. They might not invest as much in social and romantic relationships. They protect themselves and they distance and they often feel more guarded. They're unwilling or unable to share their thoughts and feelings on a deeper level with other people because of the fears that are associated with that closeness. Or in other words, uh, maybe not so much associated with the closeness, but it's associated with the hurt that results from having disconnection in a relationship. So there's these different attachment styles. And what this presenter said, he said, whatever our attachment style is, we often project that onto God. And I thought that was such a profound statement. And then as I reflected on that, I thought That's, that rings very true to me. And so again, theologically, you might believe that God loves you, but the way that you relate to other people and the way that we develop our attachments uh, styles, by the way, is through our early interactions, usually with our parents. And so if we're always in trouble with our parents or we're always afraid of getting it wrong and we grow up in a house where we need to be perfect and we have to perform, we need to achieve, we have to accomplish, there's a lot of anxiety in that kind of an experience for a child, especially. Or if we grow up in a home where there's just a lot of distance, parents aren't there, or if they are there, they're checked out, there's, they're not really engaged with their kids emotionally, and there's just a lot of distance, that influences and helps us de helps develop our attachment style, which then we project onto God. So if I feel like I need to get everything right, and I have to be perfect, 
I'm going to think the same thing that God thinks about. I'm going to think that that's what God thinks about me. I'm going to think I'm scared to get in trouble. God is this angry, vengeful person that's going to punish me if I don't get everything right. And there's a lot of anxiety around approaching him. The same thing is true if you have an avoidant or a secure attachment. If there's an avoidant attachment, there's just a disconnect there. You might theologically think, yeah, well, I I believe God's there, but I don't really feel him. I don't really feel close to him. I don't have a strong relationship with him. I don't feel like I really know him. And same thing if you have a secure attachment. It helps you to feel like you can more easily trust him. You feel like he's there for support and he listens and he cares and there's compassion for you and you don't have to be perfect and when you do make mistakes he can still accept you and he wants you to just keep trying so you just get back on the path and you keep trying and making progress and he's there to help you all along the way so our attachment style directly impacts our our you know how, our, how we see our relationship with god just as much as it affects how we see our relationship with other people and so if i'm constantly feeling uncertain and scared and and anxious I'm not going to be able to as easily feel his love because I'm so wrapped up in my own negative emotional experience that the love that's available often gets clouded. Uh, What I was going to say later on in the podcast is that attachment styles can change. So earlier on, I felt like I was secure-ish but leaning anxious. And now, and through some things that I want to share with you, uh, I feel like I'm, I feel grounded in this secure place. And we all kind of have a, a tendency or we lean in one way or the other, but I feel like I'm in a secure place. And I'll share with you exactly how you can create that in your own relationships and in your own selves. And so I grew up with this, you know, those to kind of an attachment style and the interactions that we had, but maybe even more influential than the attachment style. I wouldn't even say maybe. So for me personally, and for a lot of people that I work with, even more influential than attachment style, this is the second thing that I think can either help you feel loved or limit your ability to feel love. It is your beliefs about yourself. And I've talked a lot about that idea here on the podcast because I think that's a fundamental part of not only our development in as human beings and being able to find fulfillment and achieve our goals and find satisfaction in life. I think the way the things that we believe about ourselves directly impact that. And then secondly, the way that we believe the things that we believe about ourselves affect what we experience in our lives in our relationships. And so for me, I developed this belief when I was young that I was a bad kid. I tried my very best to be a good kid, but I I unintentionally, inadvertently internalized this message of be Christ-like. That was the message that I got growing up. It was in a religious home, and I'm still a religious person. But I, again, as a kid, I didn't have an idea, I didn't have a way to to properly evaluate this. So it, what I mean is, I would hear this message be Christ-like, and then inevitably, when I wasn't, I would internalize that as I'm a bad person. And so this, this belief developed around me not being a good person and then this idea of I need to be perfect. So I tried my very best to be perfect, but a lot of it was motivated by fear, fear of punishment, fear of disappointing people. And so as a result of that, I couldn't fully take in the love that was available, not only from God, but from my parents and from friends. It's almost like this is the way that I kind of conceptualize this. 
the beliefs that we have about ourselves, if we have a negative belief, it acts as an umbrella. And so if I put up this umbrella of a belief that says I'm not worthy or I'm a bad person or I'm a failure or I'm worthless or some negative flawed belief about myself, it's as if I'm putting up this umbrella that's preventing me from feeling the continual downpour of love that is otherwise available. So I block, again, this is all unintentional. It's just like subconscious. The way that we think about ourselves is often this, like it's just kind of in the background. But as a result of this belief, it's so influential on our experience in our relationships with other people that again, it acts as an umbrella and it prevents you from being able to take in their love. And so as I work with couples, I often see this where the wife might say, I'm here to support you. I care about you. And the husband dismisses it. Or he doesn't fully, you know, he might intellectually know that. And he might have had lots of experiences where she's demonstrated that. But he can't really feel that. He can't feel her love. He can't, it's this, like, he still can feel it or, or, or it's limited. He can feel it, but on a very limited scope. And so with these negative beliefs and as they act as an umbrella, it's so frustrating and painful for people who are struggling in this kind of a place because they want to feel loved, they want to be accepted, but there's this part of them that prevents them from actually being able to experience it. And so it all, I think, comes down to these two different, these two different elements. Number one, our attachment style influences this, but even more importantly are these negative beliefs that we have about ourselves. And so as I thought about this recently after having worked with this couple, and many, many other couples in the same kind of a situation, the husband, husband again, I guess referring to husband, this is the, the same is true for wives, but this, this recent example was a husband. So not able to take in the love and support of other people, couldn't really understand why his wife loved him. He felt just kind of unworthy of, of her love. And I think, again, you, you follow that thread, it, it will always lead you back to just a couple of key elements. Again, I think attachment style has an influence, but even more so these limiting beliefs that we have. And I think another part of that is if somebody has an avoidant attachment style, that's another big influencing factor because somebody who avoids, avoids negative feelings, but you cannot selectively numb. There's a, an author by the name of Dr. Brene Brown, and she does a lot of work on shame, and she has awesome resources. If you check out any of her books, like you'll love them. She says that you cannot selectively numb emotions. And so if somebody has developed a coping strategy to avoid pain by detaching and disconnecting and creating distance emotionally from somebody else, they're distancing from pain, but at the same time, unintentionally, they're also distancing from their ability to feel love and joy. I remember telling, I remember having a conversation with some friends with a, with a friend probably like, I don't know, 12 years ago, 14 years ago. And the way that I kind of described this was I, I told her that my feelings kind of felt blunted, almost like the image that I had in my head was one of a sun, you know, those like cartoon sun rays where you've got the points, right? The triangles that come out of the circle to, you know, to show that the sun's got these pointy rays. I told her, this is a weird image, but that was the picture that came to my mind, which was, I feel like a sun, but these edges are rounded, they're blunted. And so I feel like my ability to feel joy is stifled. 
I didn't understand it at the time. It was before I learned all about this stuff. But a part of it was because as I distanced from how I felt, if, you know, going through difficult experiences like middle school, I hated middle school. I didn't feel like I fit in. Kids would pick on me. So I'd learn to just detach. As a result, I also detached from my ability to feel things on a deep level. And so as I reflect on all three of these elements, attachment, these beliefs that we have, and then our ability to feel, all of these things can be honed. We can develop new attachment styles. We can resolve negative core beliefs that we have about ourselves so we don't believe. So for me personally, I've come through this process. This is why I'm so like, I'm so, this is such an important topic for me because this this one thing literally changed my life. When I changed these negative beliefs that I had about myself, I don't, they're not there anymore. It's not that I have to talk myself out of it or pull myself up out of a hole. I just, I don't go into this hole anymore. And the clients that I work with, when we do the same process of helping them resolve these beliefs and work through them, it's the same thing. They're able to see themselves differently. They have a different frame or a different lens through which they see themselves. As a result, their experience in life changes. And so we can hone and sharpen our ability to feel on a deeper level. We can have new beliefs about ourselves. Uh, and then lastly, we, again, we can develop new attachment styles. Okay, so how do you do this? With regard to the feeling uh, aspect of it, the feeling element, all that is is practice. It's just muscle memory. So if you have developed this muscle of avoiding and detaching, it then is doing the opposite. It's just time in the... I don't know, time in the cockpit, as they say, right? You're just sitting behind the wheel and you're practicing leaning into how you feel. And so for me, what I did was I would focus, there's an app that I've recommended in, on a previous episode. I'll share it again. It's called Headspace. It's a 10 minute mindfulness training app that teaches you how to be present because I spent so much time. And I think a lot of the people that I work with spend, especially men who are struggling with addiction, they spend so much time trying to numb out how they feel and avoid their feelings. They've simply just practiced not feeling. So the antidote then for this element is to practice feeling. And so by doing this mindfulness, mindfulness is another word for being present and being aware of what's going on internally. And so I would go throughout my day and I would... I would spend, I would set aside some time for me to do my meditation, my mindfulness, where I'd spend 10 minutes. And I would, that's just a process of me practicing tuning into my body and noticing and paying attention to how I felt. Just by virtue of doing that, it's almost like if you play sports, right? If you play basketball, that's you going to the court and that's you shooting 100 free throws. If you want to get good at free throws, you have to get behind the line and shoot the ball does hundreds and hundreds of times. The same thing is true with this ability. We just want to practice being present and tuning into our bodies and tuning into what we're feeling over and over and over again. And then our experience, our emotions, our thoughts, our bot, like our bodily sensations, those become more familiar so that then we can start to recognize how we feel even easier. And then our ability to feel emotion increases. So that's element number one. Number two, I'm going to maybe spend a minute with the attachment piece and then we'll go to the beliefs. Number two, attachment. When you 
In order to create a secure attachment with somebody, you have to have positive, secure experiences with them. You cannot create secure attachment by yourself because attachment by virtue, like by definition is a connection with somebody else. And so if you want to change your attachment style and you want to ground yourself and you want to feel more trusting and be open to being vulnerable more easily and you want to connect and let somebody else in and, and allow yourself to be accepted by somebody else, that is done within a relationship. And this is why I lean so heavily on doing relationship work with people because there's a particular form of therapy that helps foster positive experiences in the relationship through communication, through connecting with one another, through being vulnerable together. When you can facilitate these types of positive, secure experiences, it chips away at these old attachment styles that you have and it helps you develop and create a new secure attachment. So doing this relationship work in this type of a way where you're fostering new connections and you're working through the fears and the insecurities and the difficulty that's there. Because again, when you're doing relationship work, of course, our fears and our blocks and our protections come out. When we don't feel connected with somebody else, we then default to some type of protection. This is where, again, it goes back to this attachment style. Many people go to this avoidant protection where they distance and pull back and avoid and don't want to address sweep things under the rug right it's just it's a it's a style it's a it's a method of protection the other one is anxious we get anxious it's this fight or flight right flight is avoidant fight is anxious we get upset we can get critical we can get loud we try to get attention by getting bigger Right? Our emotions expand. And so when you have positive experiences and trust building experiences with somebody else, it's almost like, you know, those old school scales, right? You know, the like the symbol for justice, the, the, the blind statue holding the two scales. It's just like that where we need lots of experiences with, we need lots of positive experiences to start to tip the scale to help our brains get evidence that, hey, maybe it is okay to trust. Maybe it is okay for me to open up because the last time I did it, my partner responded. I felt seen. I felt like I was understood. That felt really good. I want to have more of those experiences. But then the fear can show right back up and say, yeah, but I don't know if I can. Yeah, but, right, and all the fears kind of flood in, which is why we need lots of repetition. The last thing is the core beliefs. So again, this is, I've talked in other episodes about this. I won't, so I won't talk too much about it now, but the idea is we can change our core beliefs by doing a couple of different things. Number one, recognizing what they are. We can start to challenge them and redefine them. So if somebody says, well, I, so for me, going back to my example, my early belief was I'm a bad person and how I define that again, subconsciously, unintentionally, I didn't even realize this. I didn't have language to describe it at the time. But how I realized that I defined being a bad person was making mistakes. So whenever I made a mistake, I just felt awful. By just, just by understanding that, I can start to challenge that and recognize that, you know, making a mistake doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you've made a decision that is out of alignment with what you want to be doing. 
So when you start to separate yourself from your decisions, that's another way, that's another really effective way actually, to help change these beliefs about yourself. Because really, you are separate than your decisions. You're not your mistakes. You're not your successes. You, you, the, who you are as a person is not, you're, you're not connected with these outcomes in, in terms of who you are as a person. Your decisions, of course, influence the outcomes. But if I were to make a mistake, I can say, okay, that was not what I wanted to do. What do I need to learn in order to do that differently next time? What do I need to remember so I don't fall back into that decision-making process? How do I avoid that pattern? So I'm able to just reflect on how do I change this decision? Not, I'm a terrible person. What's wrong with me? I'll never get out of this hole. I'm worthless. I can't get it right. So once you can identify that and start to challenge it in those handful of ways, and so there are a handful of different ways to do this, but those are just a couple of the ones that I like to do. Those are a couple of the powerful ones. There's another one that I really like to do. And uh, when I work with people one-on-one, or when I'm working with the couple, I always like to do a one-on-one deep dive session and help identify what these core beliefs are and the triggers for the addiction because they're usually on these deeper level things. And so it can be helpful to talk through with somebody what, you know, how, because so often without talking through it, it's hard to identify exactly what these beliefs are. You can, and through reading, so that's what helped me, right? Reading books, um, learning more about what we're talking about today on the episode and in previous episodes, this helped kind of illuminate what was driving this for me. And so when I work with somebody, I'm able to help support them and help clarify and help get to the core of what these beliefs are to then walk them through some, some of these exercises and some other things that we do to help change these beliefs because it's not an intellectual process because so many people that I work with, they know intellectually as I did, I knew intellectually I wasn't a bad person, but emotionally I didn't believe that. I didn't feel that. And so through these different ways of challenging it, and again, when I'm working with people, it helps to get to the bottom of it so we can work through it on more of an emotional level. And it helps to change that so that you then intellectually know that it's not true. And emotionally, you feel that and it resonates and it sticks. And so I would encourage you as you're all listening to this, as you think about if this is you and you struggle feeling loved or accepted or enough, whether it's in your marriage or with friends or the family or with God, I would encourage you to reflect on which of these three elements, the attachment styles, the beliefs, your ability to feel in general, which one could use the most attention? And once you identify, I would start with the biggest one. What, which one can you get going? What act, what, based on some of the feedback that I shared today, what steps can you take to address this part that needs help? And I would encourage you to take the steps necessary to, to just take, to move forward in this and implement any one of these tools that we've talked about today or other ones that I've shared on the podcast. I would encourage you to implement that so you can start to truly feel the love that is available. And going back to this image of an umbrella, you can put the umbrella down so you don't have to carry this so it doesn't prevent you from feeling love because of these things that are in the way. So I hope it's helpful to know that there is a way through this. And it's, again, I I sometimes hesitate to use the phrase life-changing, but it truly did change my life once I was able to work through this because I can feel things on a deeper level, on a deeper level now. My relationship with God is so much better 
and my relationship with my wife and other people around me. It's like it adds a layer of richness to life when you can feel the love and support and acceptance of others because that's exactly how we're wired. So I would encourage you to take some steps to implement these tools so you can start to feel the same thing and find that deeper layer of meaning and fulfillment in your life. So I hope that helps. It's a pleasure to always speak with you and I look forward to speaking with you again next week and we will talk to you then. Take care. Wait, before you go, I'm offering free access for my podcast listeners to a course I created. So make sure you go to coupleshealing.org so you can get some tools to start the healing process individually and in your relationship. Or if you want even more support and you'd like to work with me directly, you can contact me with the info that's on that website as well. I'm excited for you to make progress on your journey.